I'm Brian Jones with Brian Jones Farms in Ed Couch, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. Always good to be with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Why don't you jump in with me? Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've talked a lot in the past about these bills that have been introduced in Congress to regulate the cattle market. Just recently, several of those bills were packaged into one big bill in the Senate. But that particular package faces an uncertain future right now. We'll talk more about that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We grow a lot of sorghum in the Texas High Plains. And the seed our sorghum farmers plant is produced right here too. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A national cotton testing program provides valuable experience to West Texas farmers. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. New data illustrates key information for farmers and ranchers who employ guest workers. I'm Michael Clements and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cattle market legislation recently introduced by a group of Midwest senators faces a questionable future. Senate Ag Committee Chair Debbie Stabenow is non-committal so far on the cattle market reforms, saying she is making no promises. I'm working with Senator Grassley and Senator Fisher in a bipartisan group, um, both on the committee and off the committee. And so I expect at some point we'll be uh, doing a hearing, which is a, is a really important issue. And uh, we'll see whether or not it, it, we'll see whether or not we have agreement. The bill would establish regional minimums for cash cattle trade along with other market reforms. Stabenow has committed to holding a hearing on the issue next month, but no date has been set. A Texan will be leading the United Sorghum Checkoff Board. Charles Ray Huddleston of Collin County was elected as the 2022 chairman during the Sorghum Checkoff's annual December meeting. Huddleston said with sorghum acres up in 2021, improving yields, new markets, and new herbicide-tolerant technology, this is an exciting time for U.S. sorghum, both internationally and domestically. He said he is honored to continue the work of the Sorghum Checkoff. Huddleston isn't the only Texan on the board. Kevin Shigoda of Perryton was elected to represent the state, and Joshua Birdwell of Malone will continue to serve on the board through 2022. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. This is a good time to be in the sheep business. 
Susan Schultz is a sheep producer from Ohio and current president of the American Sheep Industry Association. She says times are good for sheep growers. Oh my goodness. I don't need to tell a Texan that. The, the prices are unbelievable. And I followed um, my the past president of the American Sheep Industry is, is our friend Benny Cox. And um, he keeps us updated on those prices. And oh my goodness, are they good. Schultz says the sheep industry has weathered the pandemic very well. And so we were expecting a real downturn, but what happened is that people stayed home and they learned to cook again. And they went to the protein aisle and they saw beef and pork and chicken and they tried all those and they thought, hmm, there's some lamb there. We're going to try it. We try it. They like it. Consumption of lamb is up. And uh, we never... That, that wasn't on our horizon at all. The number of sheep growers in the U.S. has increased by 13,000 since the last ag census, bringing the total number of growers to 100,000 nationwide. Texas is the nation's largest sheep growing state. We grow a lot of sorghum on the Texas High Plains, and James Hunt tells us the seed for all that sorghum is produced here in Texas, too. If you're someone who believes in the buy-local principle and you happen to be a Texas High Plains sorghum farmer, well, you're in pretty good shape when you consider where your seed comes from. Dr. Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff says when it comes to producing sorghum seed in the U.S., it's pretty much all done right here. All the seed companies produce their seed here. Uh, now, they may have to go, and they do, they'll go do some winter nurseries and things like that, but for their bulk of their seed production, it's done from uh, pretty much Plainview North and up through the panhandle. So that's where it occurs. And the reason for that is we just have really good weather for that. We have typically a dry environment when that grain is forming at harvest, so we usually get good quality seed. And then we do have irrigation. Yes, irrigation does help assure good yields. And Dr. Bean says sorghum seed producers got them this past season, even though in some areas a fungus known as ergot caused some problems with pollination. We had a little bit of that show up this year for the first time in really several years, but I don't think it had a major effect by any means on the seed production. But there were a few fields where they had a minor problem, particularly with the forage sorghums, because those seed production fields are typically the ones that don't pollinate just real well. But overall, I think we got through that in pretty good shape. And bottom line for producers is I think we'll have a good seed supply, which is good because last year, we pretty much swept out the bottom of the barrel on seed because we did have more acres planted around last year, and so we used up a lot of that reserve seed. But I think we should have, uh, uh, I mean, unless the acres just really explode on us, we should have an adequate supply of seed, I think. More from Dr. Bean on sorghum seed production in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New cotton varieties are tested all over Texas. Tom Nicoletti talks with a West Texas farmer who tested a promising variety this year. My guest today is cotton farmer Bill Ballou. He's from Winters in Runnels County of West Texas, and he is one of 120 farmers that uh, met recently in Scottsdale, Arizona, as part of the Delta Pine New Product Evaluator Program, whereby he and other farmers have evaluated uh, varieties of cotton that Delta Pine has provided them for possible release for the new year. For 2022, uh, you did evaluate one of those varieties. Tell us about that and uh, what you thought of it. Yes, I had the opportunity to evaluate 
2239. I got to see it. It had good emergence. Grew nice with a, I'd call it a medium plant height. Stripped well, and we're waiting on the results to see on yield and grade, but variety shows promise for our area. Now, you have been an evaluator for the Delta Pine program since its inception 14 years ago. Why is this uh, program valuable to you as a cotton farmer? It's nice to get to test these varieties on my farm and my yield environment before they ever come to market. Sometimes we find some, sometimes we miss some. Being a dryland West Texas cotton farmer, we have some dry years, and sometimes a variety might not have struck you on on one of those bad years. Then again, sometimes we do find that next one that we uh, really want to plant. Anything else you want to add about the overall uh, Delta Pine New Product Evaluator Program? It's nice when the company listens to us as growers and uh, brings to the table what we would like to see a plant instead of saying here it is and uh, live with it. It's been a great opportunity to come and learn and test and, and meet new people from around the cotton belt, bounce ideas off people. That again is Bill Ballou. He is a cotton farmer from Runnels County. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 2021 was a record year for participation in the H-2A Worker Program. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. The end of the calendar year brings new information about the H-2A Temporary Agricultural Worker Program. American Farm Bureau Federation Senior Economist Veronica Nye says participation in the program for 2021 was a record. Despite the ongoing global pandemic, fiscal year 2021, which started on October 1st, 2020, and it went through September 30, 2021, was a record-breaking year for the H-2A program. The total number of certified positions increased over 15%. Additionally, USDA recently released the Farm Labor Survey, which is the basis for the 2022 adverse effect wage rate, the minimum hourly wage rates that must be offered and paid by employers to H-2A workers. And the Farm Labor Survey found that in 2021, the average field and livestock worker wage rate was $15.56, which was up 94 cents from 2020 or about 6.4% from the $14.62 that was paid in 2020. Finally, earlier this week, Nye says the Department of Labor issued a proposed rule to change some of the wage calculations under the H-2A program. Today, all workers, irrespective of position, are all paid the same adverse effect wage rate. The proposed rule suggests some disaggregation depending on job type. The American Farm Bureau, of course, is taking a close look at this rule and will provide comment and advisement to our members in the weeks and months to come. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. You can save money if you're looking to buy yourself or a loved one a gun lockbox or safe this year. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And Cushing's is a common disease in dogs, but it can be treated. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Cushing's is a common disease in dogs, and it can be treated. But Dr. Bob Judd says monitoring the disease can be expensive. Cushing's disease causes multiple symptoms in dogs, including excessive water consumption, excessive urination, thin skin, and recurrent infections due to increased production of cortisol. In fact, it's likely the number one cause of excessive water consumption in middle-aged dogs. The most common treatment is using a drug called trilostane that decreases production of cortisol from the adrenal gland. However, treatment should only be considered in dogs showing clinical signs as treatment of Cushing's disease is involved and close monitoring of medication is required to avoid another problem called Addison's disease. Addison's disease is the opposite of Cushing's disease as this occurs due to low cortisol versus high cortisol with Cushing's. And low cortisol with Addison's disease is a much more serious problem than too much cortisol with Cushing's disease. So this is why monitoring is important. A dose of trilostane that is too high causes oversuppression of the adrenal gland, and this in an individual situation, so each animal may require a different dosage as there is no set dosage for every animal. For this reason, follow-up blood testing is required to make sure the animal is on the correct dosage, and typically the test used is an ACTH stimulation test, which is fairly expensive due to the cost of the ACTH especially since multiple tests may be required to find the correct dosage of trilostane. However, recent studies have shown that checking a cortisol level only can be used to monitor some of these cases, and that is much less expensive. So if your dog is being treated for Cushing's disease, ask your veterinarian about using a cortisol level instead of an ACTH test for monitoring. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You can save money this year if you're buying a gun safe or lockbox for Christmas. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. If you plan to buy a gun safe or a gun lock this holiday season, either for yourself or for a loved one, you can save the sales and use tax thanks to a new state law. Senate Bill 313, which went into effect September 1st, exempts firearm safety equipment from those sales and use taxes in Texas. State Comptroller Glenn Hager joins us with more. Any type of a gun safe, barrel trigger locks, all of the supplies for those different types of firearms. Gun lock boxes and firearm safety training manuals are also included in the bill and are exempt from sales and use taxes. Hager says these items promote safe gun storage and handling, and that's something that he's taught his own family. First and foremost, it's important, whether it's my 16-year-old daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, 13-year-old son, over the years is about safety, safety, safety. And, you know, teaching them that safety in handling a firearm, but even before that, is making sure that as a young child or someone who doesn't know what they're doing, that it's properly locked and safe because we all know that, you know, unfortunately it's those situations that, that can be dangerous. And if we can utilize this as another mechanism to incentivize other Texans to make sure to keep their firearms in a safe manner when they're not paying attention or looking or having them in a gun safe or a trigger lock, that is money very well spent in making sure those dollars don't come in the state treasury because, you know, there's a little fiscal cost to the state, but the health and safety of other individuals and our kids is way more important than a few million dollars into the state treasury. Most retailers are already aware of the new law, but for those who aren't, there are a few reference materials on the Texas Comptroller's website. 
For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The weakness in the cattle market continued on Friday. We also saw a big drop in the cotton market. We'll take a look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a lot of weakness in the cattle futures market throughout the week over the past week. Friday was no exception. We wrapped up the week on a lower note in both live and feeder cattle futures. December live cattle dropped 52 cents, 134.75. February down 62 at 136.42. The April down 35 to close at 140.60. Even bigger losses in feeder cattle. January feeders down 232 to close at 160.25. March down 262 at 161.70. April feeder cattle down 240, 164.87. Cash fed cattle market. Very quiet over the last week. We did see some sales, but it was much lighter than we normally see. The price range was 136 to 138 on a live basis. Up north, we sold dress cattle 218 to 220. Boxed beef on Friday was higher. Choice up 48 cents, 263.45. Select up 44 at 248.58. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Jim Wheeler from Atascosa Livestock, Pleasanton, Texas, had a good sale on Tuesday, last one of the year, I believe. Jim, how was it? It up with 658. wasn't bad. Uh, market held up pretty well on the calves. Uh, they did take a little money off the packer cow. They still sold well. Well, let's walk the pins. All right, 265 steers, 209 heifers, 162 cows, and 14 bulls. Steer side, two to three weights, a dollar forty-five to a dollar eighty-five. Heifers were a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty-five. Three to four weight steers, a dollar sixty to two dollars. Heifers were a dollar thirty-five to a dollar fifty-five. Four to five weight steers, a dollar forty-five to a dollar eighty. Heifers were a dollar twenty-five to a dollar fifty-two. Five to six weight steers, a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty-two. Heifers were a dollar fifteen to a dollar forty. Six seven weight steers, a dollar twenty to a dollar fifty. Heifers were a dollar five to a dollar thirty-five. 
Seven to eight weight steers, a dollar ten to a dollar thirty. Heifers were a dollar to a dollar fifteen. Eight to nine weight steers, a dollar to a dollar twenty, and the heifers were ninety to a dollar five. And what they have on cows? I had one eighteen. Uh, we had one twenty two last week. Best packer cow brought uh, seventy two bucks. Best bull bought ninety two and a half. Had a few bred cows. They brought anywhere from three fifty to a thousand. We kept one little cordiente pair together. She brought three hundred seventy bucks. That was the last sale that we'll have before the holiday? Yes, sir. We will be open again on the, uh, well, I guess the 2nd of January to receive cattle on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Next sale will be on the 4th. On the 4th. We'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You can reach us at 830-569-2516. And, Jim, if you don't mind, we'll rattle your chain during the holiday season just to see what's going on in your portion of walking the pins country. That'll work. We'll be around. All right. Thank you a bunch. Bye-bye. Thank you. And neighbor, so will we with more editions of Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close mixed. The nearby February up 45 cents, 80.80. April lean hogs down 10, 84.77. Class 3 milk was mixed. December milk up a penny, 18.50 a hundredweight. January milk down 23 at 19.38 a hundred. The cotton market sharply lower after that limit up run on Thursday. Cotton market seeing some pressure coming from a decline in the Dow Jones as well as a strong U.S. dollar. We close with March cotton down 238 points, 107.30. May cotton down 223, 105.70. New crop December cotton down 55 points at 90.04. The corn market mixed. The nearby's higher, deferreds lower. Export sales continuing to support those nearby contracts. For the year, we've now sold record amounts of corn to both Mexico and Canada, and our sales have now moved above the USDA estimate. March corn marching towards $6, up another two cents at $5.93 and a quarter. May corn up one and a half, $5.94 and a quarter. New crop September corn down three quarters, 562 and a quarter. The wheat market finishing higher, strong sales there also helping things out. Last week, we sold nearly 24 million bushels of wheat. That's a marketing year high. July Kansas City wheat up five cents, 801 and a half. July Chicago wheat up one and a quarter, 769 and three quarters. In the energy markets, January natural gas down nine cents, 367. January crude oil down a dollar forty-one at seventy ninety-seven a barrel. The financial markets mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow down three hundred eighty-five points, thirty-five thousand five eleven. The Nasdaq up thirty-four, fifteen thousand two fifteen. The S and P down twenty-seven at four thousand six forty. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.